And uh, thank you for the soundmen who are, who are absolutely spot on with unmuting my mic. And I don't unmute my mic. It's not their fault. It literally is always my fault for keeping myself muted. So uh, can we do something? Uh, I, I grew up seeing like sound and tech, like, honestly, filleted by pastors. Because uh, when we mess up, we just toss the blame. Can we give all tech a huge hand in this house? They keep the live stream going, they keep the sound going, they keep all the stuff on the screens going. They, they, they live amazing uh, jo- lives and do amazing jobs on these things. And sometimes we just take our tech for granted. And I know I do whenever I leave myself muted. Uh, so if you ever bought your Bible, go to Luke chapter 13. And if you did not get a sheet of parables when you walked into the room, if you did not, lift up a hand, um, Cammie and Noah, the worship team, lifting their hands. Um, so Noah is in the back, Kyle's got a stack. So if you, oh man, we got some, who, whoever wants to run up to the balcony, whoever's got running shoes on. We've got, we're going to be handing out a list of parables. We are going to have you read 37 parables today. (laughs) Some of you are like, why did I come to this church this morning? I'm not going to read them. You're going to read them in just a few minutes. I leaned over to my wife. I'm like, I've got an illustration this morning that is going to be totally amazing or a complete flop. How's that for uh, encouragement this morning? So uh, the way that our parable illustration will work, as I delay a little bit, it's going to take all of y'all's participation. That is the only part of Missouri that stuck with me from college is y'all. So it's going to take your participation. It's going to take you shouting at me um, during the illustration itself. And I'll describe to you in a few minutes what that's supposed to be. Um, But today we kick off a kind of a mini-series. A mini-series. Normally we do a a vision series in January. And that January covers the entire year of what direction that we are going to go. And so we thought this year, coming out of COVID and coming out of the things that we've had to go through over the past year and a half, almost a year and a half, um, we thought we would do a mid-year vision series to help articulate where our heart is at and what we're wanting our church, our church community to do. We still have people that are still coming back, people that are still um, praying about when to come back, people that are back, uh, things that have started back up, things that are waiting to start back up until things are up and running. So we've got a lot that's going on. But my heart today came out of a, it was a meeting I had with a bunch of pastors, man, months ago. And as we were sitting in the room, uh, the, the Holy Spirit dropped a word in my heart and the word was shift. And my brain went to uh, when my dad taught me how a stick shift works. How many in the room you've never, ever in your life driven a stick shift? Lord have mercy. Can I just say, I think we need to pass legislation that makes all cars into stick shifts because that would solve texting and driving at the same time. I promise, think about it. It is impossible. In fact, if you want to keep your teenagers pure on dates, send them out with a stick shift because there's no way to snuggle with that thing in between or to hold hands while you're driving whatsoever. I promise you, raise up a hallelujah in the place for parents. But my dad taught me how to drive a stick shift and it was a 19, I believe a 1981 Mercury Lynx station wagon. And the way that I kind of learned in the moment was I'm 81, I was six years old at the time, but uh, I would sit next to him on the way to church. Uh, I guess maybe we weren't into, uh, 
what do you call those things after car seats, uh, boosters or whatever. This is pre-booster. Um, I would sit in the front seat on the way to church. Uh, mom, would have been, mom was working on a Wednesday night, so dad and I would drive for an hour to church and he w- I, would, I would stick shift for him. And he would teach me about putting, he'd put down the clutch, I'd shift into second, the clutch would go into second, and we'd go around turns, put it in the neutral, and then get down to a, a certain gear, and every once in a while I would mess up the gear, or I would go all the way over toward reverse, and he would slot my hand the other way. Um, how many of you know you don't want to throw it in reverse in the middle of a freeway, or a, a, a driveway, or whatever? Driveway, really? So... When I think about shifting, this is really what the Spirit of God kind of brought my heart to because especially coming out of pandemic, I feel like that we need a serious shift in the church. I think we have come to a place where we've either got very content being neutral or content being in park. We've got to the place where we're content with just kind of a mode of life. And I believe that the Spirit of God wants to move us into a place where we are shifting into whatever gear we are in now. We are shifting up a gear or into a gear. Some of you this morning, maybe your life is pointed into a direction that is not Jesus. And Jesus wants to throw you in a little bit of reverse today. Kind of go over and down and get your life out of the direction that you once were facing. But I believe that God has got a word for our children church this month that it's time for us to shift into gear and to begin to pursue the next step that God has for us. This is why I've entitled the message today, what type of church is this? I get that question. What type of church is this, pastor? Or if I'm, I'm climbing at the, I was climbing at the gym the other day um, and I'm rock climbing, I come off the wall and this, it's, it's always the same approach. Someone walks up to me and they look around. I heard something about you. I'm like, it's probably a lie, but what did you hear about me? I heard you're a pastor. Okay, that's not a lie and we don't have to whisper. And then we start talking about church and they're like, you're the pastor who climbs. I'm like, okay, I'll be that. And they say, what type of church are you? How do you answer that? Because usually I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to, to really ask, are you a hymn church or are you a um, a smoke on the platform church? Are you a lights during worship church? Are lights down during worship church? Are you a shouter or are you a hellfire and brimstone? Or are you calm? Are you liturgical? Are you this? Are you that? Um, every once in a while people ask me, what parish do you belong to? And I just always makes me smile and I make them call me Father DeVito every single time. <laughs> but the reality is we have to ask the question, what type of church are we? What type of church are we? And as I've been kind of praying over months over this series, um, I came across somebody that is just as passionate about the parables as I am. And Mike Burnett, who's just become a friend, um, shared an illustration that I wanted to share with you today, but I wanted to come out of Luke chapter 13, verse 18. And it just simply says, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed into his garden and then grew and it became a tree and the birds of the air made its nest and branches. I love Jesus because Jesus, number one, is to save my soul, redeem my life and just set my feet upon a foundation. Man, I could preach on that all day long. Uh, Jesus, but when he wanted to describe what the kingdom was like and not just what the kingdom, what the church is supposed to be like, what the kingdom of God is supposed to sound like, look like, he told us parables. He told us stories. 
And I've given you 37 parables. And, and I promise you, when I say the word parable, everybody's brain goes toward one parable. Some of y'all are already thinking of that parable. And so my friend Mike shared this illustration. I thought, this is the way I want to kick off one of our messages, just this illustration, and then begin to challenge you with next steps. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a little sermon illustration. It's going to take your involvement. Yes, your involvement. And so what I want you to do is I want you to look on that sheet. I want you to find your favorite parable. If you don't have a favorite parable, what we'll do is we'll put up on the screen the parable that we just read. So my challenge is this, is would you get out your iPhones, pull up BibleGateway.com, or if you have the YouVersion app, pull up the YouVersion app. I want you right now to look up your favorite parable. And if you notice on the sheet, you have got your, you've got your, your specific uh, parable you like and where it's to be found. You don't have to memorize it. It's right there for you. And would you take just two minutes, just two minutes to read the parable? two minutes. Well, pastor, I'm not a fast reader. That's all good. Do I need to adjust that up on the screen? Is that my adjustment up there? While you're reading, I'm going to get my screen set up here. Tech, I'm going to try something here. This is where we should have had Jeopardy music playing in the background for everybody. Will it get bigger at all? It was bigger the other day. We'll work through it. What's even more awesome is my, my computer's trying to connect to the internet. I can't even type at this point. So read amongst yourselves for a moment. Read your parable. If you're feeling, uh, feeling saucy today, read two parables. Think about your favorite parable. Ethan? You take my phone, turn the Wi-Fi off my phone. When it comes to the kingdom of God, we in the kingdom many times can lean, when it comes to church, lean toward the, tech, uh, the technicalities of the church rather than leaning toward the disposition of the one that breathed it into existence. I want to say that again. When it comes to the kingdom, many times we think about church, how to do church, what church is supposed to look like, and we tend to lean toward the technicalities of what we think belong as the church instead of leaning toward the disposition of the one that breathed the church into existence. And it's one of the reasons why I love parables because when you think about what the kingdom is supposed to be like, which is what us, the church, is supposed to reflect, you can look at the parables and find the disposition of Jesus and the disposition of the Father, the disposition of the Spirit of God and how it's working through our life. And so when Jesus wanted to explain the kingdom, 
because he realized that even the church leaders at that point were getting it all wrong. When he realized, he's like, listen, I wanna give you what the kingdom is supposed to look like. I want the aroma of the kingdom to look, sound, smell, so to speak, like us. Because that is my goal, is that when people leave K-First on Sunday, that we leave here, not with the aroma of, of a, ch- a church, a little C church, but with the aroma of the kingdom all over our lives. Because this vision series is all about catching God's vision for his church. And I think the best way to catch God's vision for his church is to actually look into the parables and to see Jesus' disposition, the kingdom disposition that we're all supposed to carry. So when we look at these parables, and I'm still unable to write down anything. This is wonderful. I'm gonna see if this is gonna allow me to work here. This is where usually I have visiting pastors and then they shake their head at me and I'm like, why are you shaking your head? They're like, good, it happens to somebody else besides me. So when we're talking about the parable, so we're gonna have to kind of shoot from the hip here without being able to type it because what I wanted to do is I wanted to simply ask you what the parables mean to you in one word, in one word and a life-giving word, what does your favorite parable mean? What does it mean? So let's just, go, let's just go down the list here. So, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do my best to, to memorize the, all, all 37 words that you've used. Lord, help me today. My, mo- my mom just sent me a copy of my report card from fourth grade. They had a big C plus on there. And the teacher's like, Dave, it's such a pleasure to have in, in class. I'm like, it's because I didn't talk to anybody. That's all it was. So we'll see if my, pl- my C plus brain can, can grasp here. So uh, the growing seed, what's, what's the theme of the growing seed? What's a life-giving word? Anybody look up the growing seed? Just shout it out. What? Investment. Investment. Or here's a hint, growth. Growing seed, nobody left. Okay, I'm trying here. Um, the, two, the two debtors, I should say two debtors, that's my fault. What, what about the two debtors? What's, what's the theme? So we've got investment, there's a great one. G- give me the two debtors, what is the theme? Bueller. Anybody? Stewardship. I'll see if you steal Joel's word, this one, investment as well. Um, the lamp under the bushel, what's, the, what's one life-giving word? Witness, oh, give that girl a Pop-Tart. Witness, there's a good word. What about parable of the Good Samaritan? Empathy, there's a phenomenal word. Oh, compassion, empathy, compassion. Um, the friend at night. Anybody look up a friend at night? Persistence, hospitality. You're like, anybody comes to me in the middle of the night, I'm not answering the door. It's 2022, 21. Uh, what about the rich fool? What, what did I hear? Greed. What about a life-giving word? It recognizes greed, but what is it challenging us to do? Sacrifice. Um, stewardship. Uh, let's see here. The wise and foolish builders. What's the one word? Consequences, whoo, consequence makes you shudder saying it out loud. Uh, what about, what else? Life-giving word. Foundation. Foundation. What was it? Envy. Um, what about the new wine and old wineskins? One of my favorites here. Stewardship, what else? What about change? Shift, whoo. 
Nice, give her a Pop-Tart. Well, a parable of the strong man. Care, strength. A parable of the sower, planting. Anybody else? Growth. What was it? Listening. Listening. <laughs> Something I should be doing right now. What about the, the barren fig tree? This one, I'm like, no one's going to look up this one. I'll give it to you. Productivity. By a parable of the mustard seed. Faith. Two people. Two people in agreement over here. What about the leaven? Integrity. Boundaries. Parable of the, of the pearl. Not the black pearl. That's a different Christian movie. Parable of the pearl. Value. Oh, that's a good word. I, like, I wrote down the word worth. That's a better word. Another pop chart over there. Um, drawing the nets. What about health or healthy culture? What about the hidden treasure? Anybody the hidden treasure? Persistence. Persistence. I like that. Uh, counting the cost. Anybody look that one up? I wrote down the word sacrifice, readiness. The lost sheep, or sometimes it's called the good shepherd, who, wrote, who looked that one up. Some of you are the ones that never raise your hands in class whatsoever, right? I wrote down righteous judgment. The unforgiving servant. Forgiveness. Somebody didn't look at that one. That was an easy one there. What about the lost coin? Value, it's exactly what I wrote. Parable of the prodigal son. Love. Forgiveness, acceptance. Everybody went after this one. Restoration. Next month, starting the second Sunday, we're gonna do a seven-week series on the prodigal son. I am so stoked about that. Um, what about the unjust steward? The key word is the word just. Justice, I heard somebody whisper it over there. That quiet person, justice. Uh, the rich man of Lazarus. I wrote down the word urgency. The master and the servant. This one should be easier. Anybody? Obedience. Servitude. Servant's heart. The unjust judge. Persistence. Mary, you get a Pop-Tart today. Pharisee and the publican. What, what do we have for that? Humility, that's what I wrote down. Workers in the vineyard. What was it? Equality. Equality. There's a loaded word nowadays. <laughs> that is a word that is loaded with leanings and equality is really, we want to ever look at the book of Galatians seeing on how we are all loved as the children of God. And we're not divided into those that God loves and God that does not love, that God equally loves us on, with this amazing love that Kyle wrote about today. But we talk about equality all morning long. Goodness gracious. Um, where was I at? That got me going there. What did I leave off at? What? <laughs> the two sons. I heard the Capri sons. All right. The wicked husbandmen. Can we bring back the word husbandman? No. <laughs> I wrote down the, did anybody uh, write down a word for that one? 
What was it? Righteousness. What about the great banquet? I wrote down the word invitation or celebration. Uh, The budding fig tree. What about that one? Learning. The faithful servant. Anybody do the faithful servant? Authority. Faithfulness. Tech team, you could switch back to the other thing because my, my computer's not hooking up to the internet. God bless the internet and our dial-up survey, service here. Um, t- the 10 virgins. Sexual purity. Okay, no. I was playing off the word virgin, guys. You can laugh a little bit. What was Somebody said something over here? A preparedness. Nice. Preparedness. That's literally what I had. Um, the talents of minus. Anybody? Responsibility. Two more. Sheeps and the goats. I wrote down righteous judgment. What about the parable of the wedding feast? That's where I wrote down the word equality. Now, no matter what you landed on, or if you've just been tolerating my illustration today, We all lean toward a parable because there's a parable that specifically spoke to us. But when Jesus was trying to give the disposition of the kingdom, which should be the disposition of the church itself, he told stories. And he wanted to display something within that culture to get people to understand that what you may think of God may not be what God is like. And so he gave them this disposition and he said, this is what the church is like. And so when we look at these words like growth, investment, um, hospitality, stewardship, change, care, strength, faith, um, integrity, worth, culture, persistence in prayer, urgency, justice, forgiveness, equality, all of these things things. This is what church is supposed to be like. But I'll tell you what, when I look at the words that I wrote down and when I think about the words that some of you gave that weren't even on my sheet and it's made me think even deeper about some of these parables, I begin to ask myself, what is this what the church, the big C church, the global church, if I were to list like I was supposed to list up there, we had some internet problems, that's fine. But this list that we were reading off and this list that we were working, is this what the church is, is this what we're like? Is this the disposition that people in the world get from the church? Do they get these type of words? Do they get joyful surrender? Do they get forgiveness? Do they get transparency or compassion? Do they get care and and integrity? Do they get faith and, and worth? Do they get these things? If not, then church, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a lot of work to do. Because the problem is, it's not getting the world, it's not getting the world to act better so that it makes our witness easier. It's getting us into the place where we are acting in accordance with the disposition of Jesus so that the world gets an adequate representation of who Jesus really is. Because if our church lives don't represent the gospels, if our church lives don't represent that which Jesus talked about with the parables, if our church lives don't represent the list that we made today, then ladies and gentlemen, something has to shift. Something must shift. And so, I mean, we can get up and talk about our vision statement, which is the same. We want to make it simple for people to find and follow Jesus. I'm not here to argue about a mission statement or to give you a mission statement, but I wrote this down earlier this week. A vision statement doesn't lead us to health. A healthy view of God leads us toward vision. 
I've had people say, if you just get the right mission statement, the right vision statement, you can get all the vision statements. And let me just tell, tell you this, that every church has a vision statement and every vision statement is always leading toward the same thing. We want people to discover Christ and to follow after Jesus. But the goal is to not derail you to a vision statement, but to rail you into a healthy view of God. Because when we get a healthy view of God, that will give us the vision we need for our lives as individuals and corporately. And it is my heart and my vision that we would be a church of what I call next steps. I want us as individuals, individually, corporately, to be a church that is adamant about taking next steps of following Jesus Christ. That word of following Jesus is an action word. It's not a stationary word. It's a word that says that something is taking place. And I want to challenge you to be the type of person that says, I don't just, I'm not just a fan of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Man, we have developed culture where it's popular to be a fan of Jesus. Everybody's a fan of Jesus. We want to see this type of Jesus that type of Jesus. But listen, let's stop making types of Jesus and let's follow the real Jesus and let Jesus breathe the real change in our life. It's all about being a follower. And if we're gonna be a follower of Jesus, we gotta be people of next steps. Because if we truly believe the best has yet to come for our lives and for this world, people write to me all the time, Pastor, I know you think the best is yet to come. Have you seen the state of the world? And my my response is, have you seen the state of my Savior? Because if you know Jesus, you know the best has yet to come. And yes, you can go through the crud in life and you can go through the murk in life, but when you get a hold of Jesus, Jesus begins to fill you with the strength to go through the murk. He begins to help you through the issue. He begins to give you healing for the fracture in your life. If you've got Jesus, the best has always yet to come. And if we truly believe that, then we've got to be a culture that chooses to go after the best. And the only way to go after the best is to take next steps. Let us not be a church that thinks about what we could have or should have been. We turn 90 in just a couple years as a church. Isn't that crazy? We turn 90 We've gone through a litany of pastors over 90 years. I think I'm pastor number 14 or 15. We've had amazing pastors and staff come here and they've come here and they've come through. Some have passed. Um, God has just done amazing things. And I look after almost 90 years and I think to myself, you know what? God is not done with K first. The best has yet to come. And yet I don't want the storyline of our faith to be eclipsed by a shift toward God that we were unwilling to make. I wanna say that all over again. I don't want the storyline of your faith. I don't want the storyline of our faith as this church to ever be eclipsed by a shift towards God we were unwilling to make. But but Pastor Dave, God might ask me to do a hard thing. Listen, God may ask you to do something that's hard, but he will never not strengthen or equip you to do the thing that he's challenged you to do. And not only will he not just equip you, he will strengthen you to do the things that he's challenged you to do. But don't let the storyline of your faith be what could God have done had I simply followed him in obedience with what he's challenged me to be. God wants to shift our church. He wants to shift us from fear to faith. He wants to shift us from complexity to simplicity. He wants to shift us from behavior modification to heart transformation. He wants to shift us from entitlement to gratitude. He wants to shift us from the temporal to eternal. He wants to shift us from me to we. He wants to shift us from competition to cooperation. Let me stop for a second. Listen, when it comes to the churches of this area, God rid us from competition with everybody else. 
I am thankful for the pastors of our city that contacted me during some of the toughest moments of my life over this past year. I thank God for Jeff Jones across the freeway that sent me a message that said, I believe that 2021 is going to be the year for the local church. I'm thankful for the phone call with Lee Cummings just, just over this way. He called me, he began to talk to me, and began to encourage me. I'm thankful for Jeff across the, across the street over here that contacted me just to see how I'm doing. We are not in competition. God, cure the kingdom from competition. You know what we gotta do? We gotta see each other as one church that are here to help seek and to save that which is lost. This is the way it was meant to be. So I'm gonna talk about my friends, my other, my other pastor friends, by the way. These, we're in this thing together. We gotta shift from the desire for prominence to significance, to shift from the emphasis of gifts to character, shift from performance to effectiveness. We need a shift in our lives because what I don't wanna do is I don't wanna fall in love with who I was yesterday. My best days are ahead. Your best days are ahead. It's time to prepare for a shift. I don't wanna think that the best days of K-First were back in 1933 when things were birthed and things were launched. I wanna think the best days were behind us in 1983 when this building was finished. I don't wanna think that the best days were when blank happened. I'm believing for greater days. And it's my heart that we would get ourselves, for you, for you automatics, get yourself out of park. <laughs> to get your foot on the clutch and to shift yourself into gear. Because this is the day and age of the local church. And it's time that, that there's, people have a lot to say about the church, but it's time the church, you know what? I don't mind saying something, but it's time for us to be something that the world needs to see and taste and see that the Lord is good. I love the idea that was penned in a jail cell on, on pieces of toilet paper by a man named Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said this amazing quote. He says, there's a time when the church was very powerful, a time when the early Christians rejoiced at, at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. The context, he's talking about racial equality and racial reconciliation. But there is a timeless truth that lies in the words of Dr. King, where we are not called to simply be thermometers. Thermometers tell you the temperature. Thermostats set the temperature. You, need a, you want a thermometer? Go to Facebook. You want to be a thermostat? Have a conversation. You want to be a thermometer? Post whatever you want. You want to be a thermostat? Engage somebody in the love of Jesus Christ. It's time for the church to shift. Shifting out of neutral. It's good to show up on a Sunday, but when it comes to showing up for Jesus, let's not do it at 10 o'clock on, on Sundays. Let's do it at 10 o'clock on Mondays and at 10 o'clock on Tuesdays, 10 o'clock on Wednesdays. But for us to shift, we have to take next steps that move us into the place where we're no longer telling people, this is what the world is going, this is what's happened to the world. World, we get to say this is what's happened to the world. Jesus has come. We need next steps. Why should we be a culture of next steps? Because it can't be about Sundays and showing up and talking about God. Because God does not just simply want to be talked about. He wants to be engaged in. He wants to be engaged in. 
He wants you engaging in his presence on a daily basis. He wants you engaging in him on a more than just a Sunday to Sunday basis. He wants to be engaged in. Let's not be the church that talks about and shouts and claps on a Sunday morning and laughs at Pastor Dave's uh, messed up illustration that didn't work on the screen because of his computer. Let's, let's be the church that just says, listen, we saw the kingdom. We read about the kingdom. Now let's go and be the kingdom. So the question that you need to ask yourself today is this, is what next step is God calling me into? Because next steps is discipleship. It's all about discipleship. It's all about taking next steps. So Pastor Dave, what are my next steps? Well, number one, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never put your trust of your life in Jesus Christ, then I would say that's step number one. Take a step Toward Christ and put your trust in him. I have been there. I remember the day, I remember the day in third grade when I raised my hand and a missionary prayed with me and accepted Christ in my life. And I also remember the day when I became a teenager and all of a sudden I was angry about my brother's death. I was angry about my life. I was angry about just what I just saw. What I didn't know at the day was the depression that was just kind of wreaking havoc. I wasn't diagnosed. I didn't know. I remember the darkness and living in that place. And I remember one day opening up, I was going through this trunk and I found my brother's baby book and a little notebook fell out and a notebook was a notebook that my mom had purchased in the gift shop of the hospital where my brother was being worked on and that day I read the words of faith and a mother losing her son that said I don't know why but I do know who to trust and I do know you will walk us through this and I remember that day falling on my knees and I remember that day was my big step where it just simply said, Jesus, I've been living on my parents' faith and today I choose to take a step toward you. Some of you today, man, I want, all I want you to do is take a step toward Jesus. That's, he's already turned towards you. All you gotta do is turn toward him. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you know what your second step is? It's baptism. It's baptism. I, I'm not gonna ask a show of hands of who is and who hasn't been baptized. That's not my goal today. But let me challenge you in this. If you've never been baptized in immersion, that key word is immersion. We are a New Testament church that believes in the immersion, the fully dunking down. We don't hold you down, believe me. We don't hold you down to get all the sin out of your life. That's not our thing. But we're all about full immersion because that's what Jesus modeled for us and that's what Jesus challenged us to do. In fact, that word immersion, that word baptized um, in the Greek, the word baptized is the same Greek word for the word dye for which they would take a piece of cloth and dip it in so that the cloth could absorb everything the dye had. And when we baptize, we are believing that God not just has come into your life, but you are making a public statement that says, I have chosen a next step of following Jesus with obedience. Let me tell you, I, mean, I wish I could tell you some stories of individuals today who, who are praying for things like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing, uh, provision, uh, uh, reconciliation, praying for things in their life. And, and they, I remember watching them get baptized and all of a sudden things begin to happen in their life because when you're walking in obedience to Jesus, things begin to happen. Next step grows next steps. And if you've never been baptized, maybe you're an adult here today, maybe you're a senior adult and you've never been baptized in the waters of baptism, you've never been fully immersed, uh, I'm here to say at the end of this month, I want you to get baptized. And I've met you 
And I've heard your excuse that says, well, I've been serving Jesus a long time. I don't want people to think, you know what? Can I tell you the area where we really shouldn't care what people think? It's in this place right here where we're gonna cheer you on and celebrate and perhaps your obedience will serve somebody else's obedience. Your next step will serve somebody else's next steps. I want you to follow Jesus. I believe baptism is the badge of the believer. If you've never been baptized, then I want you to go on kfirst.org slash next steps, plural, and I want you to sign up today. Pull your phone out. Yes, get your phone out during church. And I know you've been Facebooking anyways, but you've been texting your girl. I'll see you after. I, I, sorry, I don't know what I was getting into there. Get on and go to kfirst.org slash next steps and sign up to get baptized. Oh, I was sprinkled as a baby. You gotta make a decision, but I would challenge you. Follow New Testament baptism. It doesn't mean that you did it wrong or that your parents did it wrong. That, that doesn't mean that whatsoever. But I'm here about making sure that if you made a profession of faith in Jesus, do it publicly and let your faith build up somebody else's faith. And I believe blessing follows obedience. After that, what do we do after that? Well, we've got baptism, excuse me, Jesus, baptism, and the next step is just simple discipleship. Simple discipleship. At K First, our discipleship is something that we call three T's. We have tables, which is finding community, training, which is teaching, and teams, which is serving. And the goal is to get people engaged in at least one next step to get you moving forward in your relationship with Christ. Again, Right now, everybody in the room, go to kfirst.org slash next steps. Pull out your phones, pull it up, save it on your phone. Or if you're on the version notes right now, there's a link on there. I put it on there this morning. Go on there and fill out. Would you go to one of those T's? This is what it looks like. Would you go to one of them and just click on one of the, those links and right now fill out one of those forms? You're not signing up for spam. You're not signing up for anything weird. What we are needing to do is we have to gauge the interest in those areas to set up our fall. So when our fall kicks off and everyone's settled, back from vacation, back to school, we wanna make sure that we have our three T's, our discipleship strategy for community, teaching, and serving are going forward. Tables is where we gather together. Training is where we get deeper together. And teams is where we serve together. Some of y'all have never served on a team before. We're gonna talk more about that next week. But I want us to shift forward into doing something about growing in Christ. Colossians 1.23. If indeed you continued in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, for which I, Paul, became a minister. I don't want to shift from the hope. I want to keep shifting toward the hope. But a shift only takes one simple yes. If a keyboardist can join me that way, I'll shut up. Keyboardist, come on out, please. A shift takes one simple yes. It's amazing the power of yes. 1997, I graduated Bible college. And I remember getting myself settled into a new job, into a new ministry position. And I remember, I remember telling a lie to my then girlfriend. It was a little white lie. We should preach on that sometime. Because I told her I couldn't afford a ring and I had bought a ring. But how many of you know you can't ask her to marry you until you talk to who? Yeah. 
So one day she's out with friends and I'm like, hey, I'll just meet you at your parents' house. Cause I love her parents. And I'm like, I'll go hang out with your parents and just sit and talk with them until you get back. But I had purpose to it. But I don't know about you. It is one of the most nerve wracking things to ask somebody for their daughter's hand in marriage. And so I got in there and instead of getting to the point, like I should do in sermons, It's called beating around the bush. <laughs> and I'm just talking about whatever. I'm talking about this, I'm talking about that. And all of a sudden the car pulls up and Ann pulls up. I'm like, <gasps> can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And then Ann walks into the room. Hey guys, what's going on? They're wide-eyed, I'm wide-eyed. And they're like, oh, hey. <laughs> she goes, I'll, I'll be back. I've got to go change real quick. I'm like, okay, it's good to see you, sweetie. She walks into the room, I'm like, so what do you think? <laughs> I gave them zero opportunity to ask me a single question about financial plans or anything like that. It was genius. <laughs> I had no plans. No plans at all. And then Ann walks in, so what you guys doing on blah, 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 blah. She goes, oh, I forgot something. She walks out of the room. I'm like, so what do you think? And Ann's mom, she just shakes her head. She says, yes. And Ann walks in and I'm like, I'm smiling. I'm ready to cry. They're ready to cry. And so what are you guys talking about? Oh, we're just hanging. And a few weeks later, one yes led to the best yes. And then 51 weeks after that, the best yes of all. But it's amazing when we give one simple yes, what one simple yes can grow into and can build on one after another. And all it starts with is with a yes. So my takeaways for you today is this. Would you just simply say yes to taking next, next steps? Go to the website, look at the website, click on one of the T's and say yes to one area. And here's another challenge for, maybe you can grow in this week. Take your parable for the day. And would you simply take that parable home Sit with your kids or sit with your spouse. Sit with a friend and take the week to talk about the parable and begin to say, Jesus, what's the next step in my parable today? I love Jesus. She's like, the kingdom of God is like this. So dive into the this and begin to say, Jesus, what is the next step in this? Because maybe it's compassion. Maybe it's justice. Maybe it's faith, productivity, stewardship, uh, integrity. Uh, if I think of Joel's word, investment. What is one yes I can give to you here? And let your week be about saying yes to Jesus. But I think the greatest yes you can give today is that first initial yes that will transform your life. Bow your heads with me.